Welcome to Advancing Word with Dr. T.D. Stubblefield. In chapter 55 of Isaiah, verse 11, God tells the prophet, So will my word be which goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me void without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. Standing on this promise, T.D. Stubblefield Ministries is committed to sharing biblical principles with individuals, families, churches, communities, and our world, believing that only the Word of God can advance us in God's perfect plan for our lives, where we can experience liberating faith, lasting hope, and unconditional love in a relationship with the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Dr. T.D. Stubblefield with today's Advancing Word. Well, we want to get to the uh, text as the pastor Lord has put in my spirit. It's a short passage, just one verse. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1. In the New King James Version, it reads, Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. I want to share from this passage in its larger context in 2 Corinthians, as we focus on this occasion particularly, I want to share about the measure of a minister. In the second letter of Paul to the church at Corinth, the Apostle Paul defends his ministerial and apostolic credentials. He has to do this because there were those who called in question of the genuineness, the authenticity of his calling uh, because of the circumstances of his uh, calling and because of his checkered past as a persecutor of the church. There were those who doubted if, if, in fact, the Lord had truly laid his hands on him and called him to the apostolic ministry. Therefore, he, in 2 Corinthians in particular, defends his ministry, defends the calling. And so while he does this in the first four chapters of this particular epistle, he uses but with a few exceptions, the third person plural, we are us. He uses that language, we are us language, rather than I are me language. Of course, this could reflect the fact that he was speaking representatively of himself and Timothy, who he mentions in the salutation of this letter, or even of Titus, another one of his mentees or sons in the ministry who he acknowledges later in the letter. But as he writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, when I look at this passage, I envision a larger purpose for his inclusive language. It is as if he understood that ministers, Preachers, evangelists, missionaries, pastors, and even lay people would be reading what he wrote centuries later. 
and wanted to make sure that all of us, all of us, all of us here would understand what the essence, what the nature, what the character, or what the measure of a minister is. So there are three movements in this verse. In this verse that I shared with you, there are three movements in the text that relates, I believe, to the measure of a minister. Would you like to know what they are? Yes, First of all, this text would suggest that there is the calling of our ministry. The calling of our ministry. Paul acknowledges as he launches this chapter, and I'm not making it up, it's in the text. He says, we have received, we have received the ministry. Or we possess this ministry. Now, a more accurate translation of the passive voice in the original language would be this. Not so much that we have received the ministry, but the ministry has received us. Not that we possess the ministry, but the ministry possesses us. In other words, the apostle Paul was conscious of his calling. He did not choose, listen to me, he did not choose the ministry, but the ministry chose him. His call to the ministry, Bible students know, was so pivotal and primary that in the book of Acts, three times he recounts, three times he narrates how the Lord knocked him off his high horse. On the way to Damascus and called him into the apostleship. And so he opens this letter, this letter to the church at Corinth, this second letter, with this statement. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. (laughs) Because Paul understood that if you put yourself in ministry, you can put yourself out. In most of the epistles in the New Testament that he authors, he uses the same phrase or some variation of it to greet his audiences. In the first letter to the church at Corinth, he reminded them that he was in the grip and grasp of an irrepressible resolve. And this is what he said. He says, for if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of for necessity. Y'all say necessity. Necessity is laid up on me. Yea, woe is me. (laughs) Preachers know what I'm talking about today. Woe is me if I preach not the gospel. I often tell, uh, I tell pastors, I tell young ministers, I tell lay people, I am crippled by disease that there is no vaccination for And it's called the cane hepatitis. <laughs> I can't help myself. Because when I encounter the word of God, something just comes over me. He says, woe is me if I preach not the gospel. So there is in every authentic ministry. This is what I'm saying to you today. As we celebrate this ministry today. There is in every authentic ministry a calling, a summons, an invitation an origination, an inception point, what I call a spiritual ground zero. 
that defines our ministry. Whatever you are doing in ministry, whether it's working in the media ministry, or serving in the choir, working with the children, uh, a trustee or deacon, whatever it is teaching the children in Sunday school, there must be a consciousness of our calling. So how appropriate, how appropriate is your theme today, your theme scripture, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. In other words, what David recognized and what we should understand is that when you are called, God divinely choreographs our steps. And because he does, David could go on to say, if you read a little further in the 37th Psalm, he said, because I know God's got my back. God's in charge. He went on to say, I was young and now I'm old. But two things I've never seen is the righteous forsaken are his seed. The hymn writer had it right. There is something within me that holds the reins. There's something within me that banishes pain. There's something within me I cannot always explain all that I know. All that I know, there is something within. So there is the calling of our ministry. You all got that? The calling of our ministry. But here's the next thing. There is the covering. The covering of our ministry. He didn't only say that. Therefore, seeing we have received this ministry. But he talked about the covering. He says, we have received mercy. He says, therefore, see, we have received this ministry. We have also received mercy. Can I tell you all something today? Our official ministerial attire is not robes, collars, suits, dresses, jackets, or pants, but mercy. Mercy because what Paul recognized, what Paul recognized is that ministry and mercy are Siamese twins. You can't have one without the other. See, in ministry, we're not only the objects of God's grace, God giving us what we don't deserve, but we're also the objects of God's mercy. Him withholding from us yeah. what we do. Yes, He's not, as the psalmist said, he has not dealt with us according to our sins and our iniquities. Is there anybody other than me up in here that needs grace and mercy? <laughs> I need some grace. <laughs> Frank Williams had it right. I need some grace and, and mercy. The late Dr. Gardner Taylor, in his lectures on preaching at Yale University, which he compiled in his book, How Shall They Preach? Every preacher ought to have that book in their library. He shared how all of God's preachers, all of God's ministers have what he calls humbling negatives. (laughs) And that's Dr. Taylor's way with words. He called them humbling negatives. And what he was talking about is that all of us 
menaces. All of us in the pew, all of us are struggling with things that handle us more than we handle them. And just as I said, that something flashed in front of your mind. There's something you're dealing with right now that handles you more than you handle it. Dr. Dan Allender wrote a wonderful book on leadership and the title alone is worth the purchase. He called it Leading with a Limp, Turning Our Struggles into Strength. You know, country music is interesting just because of the stories they tell. One country music writer wrote these words and this is how I feel so often. He said, I'm not always as good as I once was. But once I'm good as I always was. (laughs) Paul was haunted. He was harassed and hobbled by a horrific past. But he was confident. Confident. That mercy covered his past sins. And his present struggles. In the first letter he writes to his son in the ministry, Timothy. He says this. He says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord. Who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man. But listen to what he says. I obtained mercy. I obtained mercy. Because I did it. Eagerly. In unbelief. When this covering is adorned. When it's appropriate as it should be. It produces in our ministries an aura and atmosphere of humility and service to others. One of my seminary professors who wrote a book about ministry and, and what challenges we're facing in the contemporary church and what he suggests is that ministry today need to be rescued from the success syndrome. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. How appropriate that on this day you also observe in the Lord's Supper because it's our Lord who said, I did not come to be served, but to serve and give my life a ransom for many. So many want the position, but they don't want the price that comes with it. So I love that mentality your pastor has. I wanted to be a servant to this church and a servant of the Lord in ministry. Paul was covered by the awareness that he had of God's mercy. He once wrote this. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Jesus Christ came into this world to save sinners. And then he said this, and I'm the chief of I'm the CEO of the Center Club. I'm the president of it. God sent his son to save me. And can I tell y'all something this morning? If it had not been for the Lord, when I look back over the 40 years I've served as a pastor and the almost 48 years I preached the gospel, it's his mercy that has come. Yes, sir. So there is the calling of our ministry. Y'all see that. There you will see we have received this ministry. It didn't, we didn't pick it up. It picked us up. There's the covering of our ministry. With that ministry, God gives us what we know we need for. Mercy. Mercy. 
But then there is the confidence of our ministry. The confidence of our ministry. Paul ends this substantive summation of authentic ministry with this announcement. That those who are called and covered do not lose heart. I love Eugene Peterson's, the late Dr. Peterson's paraphrase of the word of God. It's called the message. Listen to how he translates or paraphrases our text. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 1. He says, since God has so generously let us in on what he is doing, we're not about to throw up our hands and walk off the job just because we run into occasional hard times. See, there was a confidence that emboldened and encouraged Paul's ministry. Your pastor has that confidence. I hear it when we're sharing. It was not based on his character. It was not based on his credentials or his competency or his connections. But this confidence was based on his relationship to the one who had called him into the ministry. If you read backwards in the third chapter, Paul acknowledged that something as he was ministering to others, God was doing something in him. He said it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. He says, we're being transformed as we behold the glory of the Lord through the Holy Spirit. We are being transformed into that same image. Jesus is making us little Christ. As we behold that same image, we are being transformed into his glory. And that's why if you go down to verse 7, in chapter 4, he says this. This is his confidence. He says, we have this treasure in earthen vessels (laughs) that the power may be of God and not of us. See, Paul understood that we are fragile. We are flawed. We are finite. We are fickle. We are nothing but clay pots. I don't care what school district you went to. I don't care what your zip code is. I don't care whether you clean up the desk or sit behind the desk. We're all flawed. But the Bible says we have this treasure. God put something on the inside. And one of the things I love about this pastor is he respects this treasure. And when Paul talked about it, He was talking about the gospel and by extension, the word of God. God's put something on the inside of us. And I've witnessed firsthand here at Union Baptist Church. And if nobody else say amen this morning, Union ought to say amen. I've witnessed your pastor guarding this treasure. On Mother's Day, on Mother's Day of 2022, I heard one of the most powerful and profound sermons I have ever heard on Mother's Day here at Union Baptist Church. 
when your pastor stood in this place and he talked about how mothers, and I never heard anyone take Genesis 3 and 20 and break it down like your pastor did. He said how mothers are givers of life. There's no higher calling. There's no more exalted responsibility than what God has called women and mothers to be. Yes, sir. Your pastor he understands the secret of the gospel power. He knows that you got to be broken for that power to manifest itself. But as I think about how to close this message, I remember a few months ago how I had stopped by Macy's and I got some men's cologne because my cologne Supply was low. Uh-huh. <laughs> I purchased the cologne. The clerk was so kind and so courteous that when I got ready to leave, she said, I got some samples. She grabbed a whole handful of samples of different brands and she put them in my little Macy's bag. Well, I'm not particularly notorious for my technical acumen. <laughs> So when I got home and I started looking at these samples, these little two samples, yeah. I'm looking for the cap. Yeah. I'm looking for the spray nozzle. But then I realized that these little samples, in order to get to the fragrance, you had to break them. And that's what God does with us. He's put something on the inside. And sometimes people don't know how precious it is, how fragrant it is, until we go through a difficult time. And uh, God allows us to be broken. I did not learn all I need to know about the Lord in Sunday school or Bible study. But I learned through difficult times down on my knees when I've been broken when I feel like I'm all by myself I've learned that the Lord will not only make a way somehow but the Lord will make a way anyhow we have this treasure in earthly vessels God allows us to be broken pastors there's going to be some broken days There's going to be some dashed hopes. There's going to be some relational disappointments if you stay on this road. But when you go through it, God will never leave it by yourself. Because in our brokenness, somehow he releases the sweet fragrance and scintillating power of God's spirit working inside of us. Andre Crouch He had it right. If I never had a problem, I would know God could solve it. I would know what faith in God could do. And it's why we don't faint. It's why we can't give up. It's why we can't quit. Because when we're weak, when we're broken, when we're down and out, when we feel all by ourselves, that's when we learn that His grace Do I have any witnesses here? His grace is sufficient. 
For in my weakness, I can sense God's strength. Well, you know, 2,000 years ago, God looked at this broken planet and a little lamb cleft from out from under the Father's throne. When the Father said, who will go for us? The lamb said, I'm gonna go. And he came down, y'all know the story. He came down through 42 generations. And he died, he was broken. He died, but before he died, he got up in the midst of a stormy sea and said, Peace be still. Before he died, he took a few loaves of bread and a few small fish and fed 5,000 men, not counting women and children. Before he died, he gave sight to the blind, hearing to the deaf. Before he died, he empowered his apostles and only he. Y'all yeah. know the story. Yeah. On a hill called Calvary, yeah. he died. Yeah. He died. Yeah. And when he got through dying, yeah. nobody took it from him. Yeah. He gave up the ghost. Yeah. He said, Father, uh, it is finished. Yeah. I'm glad he said that. Uh, he didn't say, I'm finished. Yeah. He said, it is finished. Yeah. And they took him down from an old rugged cross. Yeah. Put him in a bar or two. But I know you hear it here at you. And because he got up, you don't have to throw in the towel on that marriage. Because he got up, don't give up on that child. Because he got up, the cattle on a thousand hills, they belong to him. He's able, he's able. The measure of a mess, our calling, our covering, and our comfort. You have been listening to Advancing Word with Dr. T.D. Stubblefield. We pray that you have been encouraged with what your ears have heard and your hearts have felt. Explore our website at tdstubblefield.org for more information about us and to obtain resources provided by T.D. Stubblefield Ministries. Until next time, be blessed and remember to stop stressing and start stepping, advancing in faith, hope, and love by reading and applying the Word of God so you can stand on certain truth for uncertain times.